Circuit Rider podcast. For more information about the Circuit Riders, visit us at crmovement.com. Okay, uh, so so amazing. Did we mention Cleveland? So this weekend is uh, Cleveland, Azusa Now East, right? Some of us know about that. When Azusa Now was on the West Coast, it was at Trojan Stadium, right? USC, that was uh, April 9th, a year ago. Is that right? Yes. And so they've gone to Cleveland. They're in where the Cavaliers play. And so um, what's interesting about this weekend is that uh, Lindy and the Circuit Rider Band is going to be there. Um, so we're all flying out here this afternoon and coming back early Monday. And uh, there's going to be a segment there that we're going to be able to just blast missions and call students from all over Cleveland. And really, it's going to be on national TV. So every young person watching, come and do missions. So can we just join together just for uh, 30 seconds and just pray that technology would work, that Find My Mission would work, and that we just have a harvest coming out of Cleveland of thousands of young people that are connecting and wanting to be part of YWAM and part of missions and just going for it. God, we just pray, God, for unbelievable fruit this weekend, God, fruit that we just can't believe of a generation arising in mission. We just pray, God, that you would just penetrate hearts and you would awaken hearts in America. And, Lord, it would just have a, an, an explosion effect an explosion would go off in Cleveland, Ohio, in Jesus' name. What's amazing is, uh, you, got, you can hand those out if you guys want to, is um, as I, you know, when Amy originally was hearing about the circuit riders, one of the things that she said to us was, remember Ohio. And it was such an obscure little sentence. And so here, all these years later, seven years later, during the circuit rider school, we're going to Cleveland, Ohio for this little... T- tiny little two-day gathering, but we're really believing something's going to happen, along with what's happening here this weekend. So, um, filled with anticipation, last night was amazing with Banning. So great to have Banning here. So great to have Francis here. So great to have so many. Don't you feel like we have had some solid Bible mentors just coming at us? Uh, I guess we got attacked by bugs last night. There was a centipede attack somewhere. Are we okay? Be healed in Jesus' name. I don't know. Okay. Get started here. All right, you're, you're going to get a book called Jesus Encounter. And this is, guys, everything to do with this weekend is, we're, and I'm going to explain Jesus Encounter. So what I want to talk to you about today is what I believe the, one of the greatest innovations is, we want to just pray right now that God would just show us how do we walk in great innovation? How do we walk in great innovation? And I want to define innovation as we go into prayer. Is innovation means I'm going to make changes to something that's established. Would you say make changes? And the way that you make those changes is you introduce something new, a new method, a new idea, or a new product. So you cannot say something's innovative if it's not something that's new, meaning a new method or an idea or a product, and it's changing what's been established. Are you all with me? You, you, you can't say suddenly like, man, this shirt is so innovative when shirts have already been invented and there's a thousand different white shirts and your shirt's just a different type of white shirt. You couldn't say, man, I'm innovating shirts. Right? 
innovation is far more creative than that, okay? It introduces something new or something different, and especially to something that's established. Uber would be an innovation, correct? Changing that whole uh, industry, okay? So I want to give you some synonyms for this. We would say, man, I want to be someone that walks in innovation. It would be cutting edge. Say that with me, cutting edge. There, another synonym for it was departure, meaning you're departing from something that's been established and you're going on to do something new. It's the, another word is latest thing, the leading edge, um, newness, and I like this word, shift. And so when God's getting ready to innovate, oftentimes there's a shift from something that was established to something new that God is doing. Let's say shift. Okay. Now, the antonyms of, of uh, innovation are really interesting. You want to hear these? Are, these are going to make you groan. If you want to groan on some words, maybe that just feel like, oh, I don't like that, is rut. No, so, so what happens is the innovator comes along something that's established that's in a rut, and then they begin to propose new methods or something, new idea that brings what's there and established out of a rut. How many believe that part of a catalyst calling is to bring things out of a rut into new life? Okay. Let me give you another word. Old, uh, old habit, an old tradition, uh, a custom, and, and more like just this is the way we've always done it. We've never done it any different. This is it. This is how we do it. Are you guys following this? So the spirit of innovation is the spirit of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, and I'm going to show this to you, is the, most, is the greatest innovator. And when his life on earth explains this to you. And so we want to look at one of the cultures that Jesus brought. And I want you to think about this over the weekend because you're going to have a chance. And we're going to introduce Jesus, the whole Jesus, um, uh, what, the project we're going to do this weekend. But I want you to think about the word humility for a minute. Is the humility of Jesus one of the greatest innovations that he ever brought to earth? Is the, and I want you, if you have a Bible, to turn now to Philippians chapter 3, and we want to look at this. Is humility one of the greatest innovations that Jesus ever brought to earth? Humility. Okay? And so it says, finally, my brothers, in chapter 1, or verse 1 of, of chapter 3, finally, my brothers, um, or let's go to chapter 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So there's this intro, and this, this is the big, you know, in the Greek, chapter 2 is called the emptying. It's the kenosis. It's this beautiful hymn about how Jesus emptied himself in heaven and came down to earth and walked among us in that humility. And I want to get this in your mind. Is sometimes when we think about humility, or excuse me, innovation, we think about, man, i got to be the smartest guy in the room I've got to be the guy with the quickest ideas. I've got to be this brainiac. I've got to be this. I've got to be that. Anyone ever have felt that way? Like, in order for me to be innovative, I've got to become something that I'm not. 
And I'm not a very innovative person. Maybe you've reached that conclusion based upon your self-evaluation because you've never really come up with something that new. Might I propose to you that God has so many new things to tell us, but he tells it to us when we're down lower. And when we're up higher, you don't hear the innovation, but when you're down lower, you hear all kinds of new things that Jesus wants to tell you. And innovation comes from a place of humility. Now, think about this. Jesus is a king. He's the king of the universe. He empties himself, comes out of heaven. He walks among us as a man. That is one of the craziest innovations to save all of humanity, isn't it? So counterintuitive. Why would he do that? Why would the devil never understood it? Satan still doesn't understand it. Satan doesn't understand humility. He can't figure out. Don't you think Satan, if he was really, really able to, he would, but he can't understand why Christians do what they do. Because we always are operating in the spirit of Christ, and the spirit of Christ is the spirit of humility. And if you don't understand humility and you, you don't really get it, you think humility is stupid, don't you? You're like, man, why would those guys do that? They don't need to apologize for that, or they don't need to reach out that way, or they've already, man, they were treated this way, they shouldn't do that. Isn't it amazing that Christians continually do the most disruptive acts on the earth based out of humility, and it completely disturbs the peace of tradition? When you think about, like, what's happening in the Middle East, and you think about how there should be so much hatred, what we find is Christian after Christian from Egypt across the board is continually doing public forgiveness of people that killed their families, that took everything from them. They're gathering in meetings and saying, we forgive. That is one of the most innovative things you could possibly do. We're standing here representing Jesus Christ. He forgave. We forgive. And what does the world do when they see someone forgive like that? It's like front page, like some YouTube, look at this. Can you believe this? Because it's so different than the norm that comes out of pride. Pride is a difficult place to innovate from. Humility is a rich place to innovate from. Let me add, add this to you. Think about the word love. It is difficult to love from a high place. It's always easier to love from a low place. What, let, let me put it in this way. What do you think one of the top maybe 10 innovations are of God? Let me throw one out. The family. The family unit is one of the craziest innovations heaven ever made. You have father, you have a mother, you have children. There's even a triune nature to a family. When a family stays together and is able to roll together and love like Jesus loves, it's amazing what can come out of one family on the earth. The family structure can completely change neighborhoods, cities. It can completely devastate assaults of the enemy. A family is a devastating innovation from Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about it? The family comes under so much attack because if a family can stay together, the damage that a family can do in the kingdom is ridiculous. And I know a lot of us come from broken families and totally understand what I'm saying. The family is an incredible innovation of heaven. Think about just childbearing. What an incredible innovation. Think about raising kids. Think about all the personalities that you can have in one family. Think about all the wild dreams one family can have. Well, families are a great innovation. And in order to keep a family together, you've got to have love. 
A family stays together because you have great love. And so if somebody does something wrong, a husband is mean or he's doing some stupid business and, and not acting godly, and his wife has to come and say, I'm going to forgive you, and I know that's not who you are. You're going to make a comeback. You're going to come out of that. And the man rises, or it could be the other side. A woman begins to come into a hard season of life and is not as tender, and her husband says, I know who you are. You're a tender woman, and the woman begins to rise. That's what marriage is like, right? And marriage is an innovation of great love. And when you love greatly in marriage, that marriage begins to explode like, look at Lauren and Darlene's marriage. One marriage, boom, into every nation of the earth. Do you think that's innovation? How can God create a structure that can touch every nation of the earth? Seriously, maybe you've never thought about it. But families, what is families going to be like in heaven? We'll be meeting each other, hanging out with each other. Well, let me go on. The, the, the design of humility is where all innovation comes from. Let me look at this with Jesus. The Christ, our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. I want to stop there just for a second. When we talk about humility, one of the fun things about it is sometimes there's things in God like I feel like when it comes to the Holy Spirit and being like, you know, being used by the Holy Spirit like to do a miracle. I never know how that can ever happen. I'm standing in faith ready for it. Do you get what I'm saying? There's certain things I, just can't, I can't like if we just prayed for rain right now. I'm just going to pray as hard as I can, but I don't know for sure if it's going to rain. Do you get what I'm saying? There's, there's certain things I just have to wait. Man, I don't know, God, but I believe. But in the Bible, humility is the one aspect that we humble ourselves. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Isn't that interesting? That humility is on our side. Of, God, of course, God can break us, but we're not talking about that side today. It's that awesome act of saying, God, I humble myself before you. And when we humble ourselves, our love quotient in our life explodes. If you've ever been around kind of a drier love culture, a little stiff love culture, traditionally it's because there's buried offense. And buried offense is always locked into pride. And if everybody was let go of their buried offense, the party can start. I'm just telling you how, how, it, how it really does work, how it constructs. And so humility as a culture shift for the circuit riders is so key because how many of you have ever thought, man, I want to serve, and I'm going to serve so hard, but there's coming a time where I'm not going to have to serve quite like this because I'll be doing different things in the kingdom. Being in ministry so long, I, I, I've told this story so many times. It's amazing how much I'm doing today is exactly what I was doing when I started. Still doing the Costco runs, still getting the extra stuff, printing stuff. You never, never stops. You're always serving and serving night and day. Serving never ends. Are you guys seeing this? And so humility, when you're in a serving role, why did Jesus come as a servant? Because it was so innovative, the world was shook. They couldn't believe a king would come and serve. And so the culture of heaven is so radical that even in the Greek language, they had a hard time coming up with a word for humility. Because the Romans were so stuck in pride, they despised humility. They despised weakness. They would kill people that operated in weakness. 
And Jesus comes as the weak key. Can you, can, can, can you imagine when Jesus being crucified, they're walking up the hill, the Romans just putting the crown of thorns on him, beating him, and Jesus not hitting back, Jesus not fighting back? Can you imagine just they're like, man, this guy, this guy, they're just infuriated. That's part of the rage. Like, come on, do something. Come on, do something. But there's a parallel universe going on, right? The still small voice of his father is, Jesus, we are doing something. Don't touch him. What an innovation. Like, let him, let him reign. Let him reign. We're changing the game. I'm introducing the new covenant. It's all new innovation. Everyone has a way to me. Hold on. Don't fight back. Get tough. Hold it. You are not dying on the ground. you got to get up on the cross. Fight it. Fight it. Fight it. Fight it. Hold it. Breathe it. Come on. The Father, egging him on, egging him on. Come on. I know you're cut. I know you're hurt. Let's get on the cross. Stand there. Let it happen. Go all the way. Because he could have died in any one of those parts of the process. But he holds on because he knows he needs to die a criminal's death on the cross to take the sin of the world upon himself. And Satan is looking on. I got him. I took him out. No more miracles. No more signs. No more. No more. The plan of salvation is over. Jesus dies, resurrects. Everything changes on the earth. A new covenant established. The veil is torn. Sins are forgiven. Every generation can come to Christ. Nobody cannot come to Christ. The whole earth can be saved. Jesus gets everyone on earth a chance for every generation to know him countless times. One of the greatest innovations in life, the greatest in in my mind, is salvation. The humility of Jesus Christ changing the game and making it accessible for every single generation. Every single human can be with the Father. Think about that. So as Christians, then, we're, car- we're called to carry the culture of heaven. And that's our favorite culture. And so if we look at what Jesus there, it said, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So the glory to the glory of God the Father. And as I'm thinking about this, I want to kind of bring this into uh, application is when you're walking in humility, you're beginning to really accelerate in love towards others. When I, when I look at Jesus's life, it's amazing. We, we had this night in Los Angeles. It was called the Love Revolution. Uh, it was coined that afterward. We were in Hollywood. And we, we were discussing how wild the love of Jesus is. And think about this. Romans 12, 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another in brotherly love. In honor, give preference to one another. Circuit riders, we're called to give preference to one another in brotherly kindness because of Jesus Christ. And when that culture sets in, there's a culture God can do anything at any time. When there's affectionate love, preference, you know, you go first, you go first, you go first. No, I love you. Let me help you. No, let me help you. That's the culture of the radical servant. It's the culture of Jesus' love. And it elevates others. Isn't it fun to elevate others and elevate others and elevate others? And Jesus is always about that. The second thing is uh, Romans 12, 16, don't set your mind on high things. And a lot of times when our mind gets on high things, Think about, like, if you take your Christianity, and you're like, where am I going to end up? Am I going to be in a career? Am I going to have this? Am I going to have this, this, this? That's when your mind starts going into high-minded, kind of the, 
you get you know what I'm saying? Like you're floating up there into into like the land of like just be down here. We're supposed to be lowly. God will take care of that. If you want something, if you want a message to touch the whole world, it'll never happen. Just get low. <laughs> and if your message is supposed to touch the world, it will. But Jesus is the only one that can do that. You can market it for the billion dollars, but you could just get low, and suddenly God could do that. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's the lowliness identifying with Jesus Christ, identifying with the lowly. It, in, in Romans 12, 16, it says, he is associated with the humble. And the other part about Jesus' love and the radical love culture is the leniency that Jesus had out of his humility. It's amazing how lenient Jesus was with people like the adulterous woman, different situations that he ran into, that guys were sinning, doing goofy things. But Jesus had leniency, even in the prodigal. The prodigal, he had such leniency when he came home. So when you're walking in humility, don't you have greater leniency for other people? Let me explain it. Sometimes, because I, I get to coach and help train lots of young leaders, is there's always a young leader that's not acting totally holy. Yeah, it's true. There's always a young guy that's, that's trying too hard or extra. It's, if it was football practice, it would be like, that guy is just overachieving. You know, he's just like, just trying way too hard, and it's disrupting all the other guys. And so the other guys will gather around and say, like, man, this guy, he's driving us crazy. We, we can't take this guy, man, this guy. And, and all of a sudden, there's a, there's, a, there's a little bit of a conflict going on. But it's amazing, isn't it, when we remember where we came from, how easy it is to have leniency on other people and realize, well, that was me last year. What am I getting mad about now? Someone gave me grace last year. I'm going to give grace this year. And server writers, I feel like there's a grace and there's a kindness going into this Friday that God wants to seal in our culture for the rest of our life. And I want to explain the project here in just a second of what we're going to dive into over this weekend, the Jesus encounter. Finally, this. When I think of, man, I want to get somewhere, and I just really want God to show up, and I want this. The thing that I just want the circuit riders to continually think about is all I want to do is walk in humility before Jesus Christ. I just want to know Jesus Christ. I just want to walk in humility. I want to love well. I want to love people well. I'm just going to love well. I'm going to be one of those guys that serves or one of those ladies that serves and serves well. I'm just going to keep operating in kindness. I'm going to keep my offenses wiped out. I'm going to love well. I'm going to love well. I wonder what the millennial generation is going to come up with out of an attitude of humility to absolutely shake the earth with the love of Jesus Christ. I would like to propose this to you. It's going to make us have to work together as a team circuit riders, like we've never worked together before as a team. With so much love for each other that this band of brothers and sisters comes together in a moment and many moments after where we just roll in a way that is unbelievable. We may not be very good at ministry. We might not know how to pray for people very well. We might not know how to even preach very well, worship very good. But the one thing we do know is we love wildly and we can tell someone that Jesus loves them and the only way to get saved is through Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? It's like the, the culture of love so deep that we walk in that humility. How many of you guys would say that uh, pride has knocked on your door in the last few years at key moments? 
try to take out that love. And that pride gets us in that land of, of just thinking about ourselves versus thinking about the person next to you. How many would say there's, there, there's a little reservoir in your heart of some pent-up compliments, encouragements? I, I'm just proposing compliments, encouragements, little love note, high five. But it's bottled up because, like, you still need something to happen before you're going to let it out. Right? That pride is there. Like, that guy's got to do this, 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 and this. Until they do this, I'll never trust him again. Well, dude, are you totally trustworthy? None of us are perfectly trustworthy, are we? I mean, like, follow all of us around with a camera for five days. Are you telling me that you'll have five days of perfection and Christ-like attitude every minute? You wake up in the middle of the night, use the bathroom, just singing worship song. I mean, are you going to be like always like, man, you got out of bed, make your bed, make your buddy's bed, pancakes for him? No, man, we're going to see some stuff. And so we don't want to be pent-up lovers that have all this pent-up encouragement because we have a little bit of waiting on other people to change. Right? The culture of humility is, I'm going to come lower. And how many times we want to don't want to come low because our buddy isn't very low? And like, if, he's, if he'd only lower himself, then I could jump in. But he's not very low. He's still acting like pride. How many of you have ever apologized to a friend and said, man, I'm sorry? And they said, man, it's good to hear you say it. <laughs> yeah, and, and you got that kind of check and like, well, yeah, well, there's a part two that you did. But you, you don't say that. You just give them a hug or, or, or something to say, hey, sincerely, I love you. And isn't it amazing when you reach out and put that hug on that a lot of times in my experience, my brother goes, dude, it wasn't just you. It's kind of a delayed moment. But if I would get mad like in the, or it's three days later, like, bro, when you apologize, I've been thinking about it. You know all that junk that happened? You know where it started? It was started when I said this. Bro, that's under the blood, man. I love you. Right? Right? How many of us would love to not switch friends on a three-year cycle until you die? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Seriously, it's no fun, you know, changing all that your friends are, every, all your people that you roll with every three years. It would be fun to roll together with more and more people throughout your life, right? A family extending all throughout your life, the relationships. The guarantee, that's super innovative to keep your friends, by the way. Jesus did. <laughs> You're still his friend, Right? Isn't it innovative? Jesus doesn't change you out for another guy that comes to Christ. He keeps you and adds. That, I don't know. That's a simple thought. But have you ever thought about that? Just like when like Jesus gets excited about Nepal and like, oh, they're all coming to Christ. He doesn't forget about America. He just keeps hugging America. It's like, isn't it great that everyone's getting a lot of love from Jesus on the same exact moment? He's not a favoritism God. And so we're enjoying the humility. Aren't you glad that we have a humble king in heaven that's still praying for all of us. Okay, I'm driving home. I just feel like we picked a little bit of moment up, a little bit of steam up on just any moment that maybe we've lifted ourselves up a little too high and we need to come down low and live in the culture of humility. And I think the love equation with each other would just go through the roof. Have you ever delayed a compliment when someone's really helped you? 
Maybe you, you know, maybe you enjoyed someone leading worship or you enjoyed someone praying for you. You enjoyed someone that just did something and you just want to walk over there and say, man, I just want to thank you for what you did. We want to live lives in that culture of humility, always setting the culture. We want to appreciate, encourage, and bless others all the time. Our tongue is to bless and not curse. Our tongue is to praise and worship and have gratitude. Have you ever been around the cranky, prideful guy that just needs to come a foot lower to find his wife? It's so true, isn't it? She's standing right there, and he's saying his list of what he needs. And if he got that list, he'd be divorced in five years. But God has a different list. And if he just sign up for God's list, he'd have a legacy. But he's over there, oh, this is what I need. I need a woman who's 6'3 and just got out of, you know, modeling school. And she's from this nation. And just you're like, what? I don't even met someone 6'3. I, I guess they're out there. And they are, they're beautiful and it's wonderful. And I want to meet one. But I just, I don't know. You're five foot two. It just seems like, you know. But it could work. I mean, did you really hear God? I mean, what's happening? But look at that gal over there. She's, she seems so wonderful, and she's playing with butterflies and worshiping God. I mean, I don't know. Just why don't you visit with her? She hasn't sinned in like a year. You know, she uh, whiz, you know. And, and, and you know, the, the guy gives you that look like, no, I'm just waiting on, like, what God said he provided me. And, like, I don't even know how to talk like you just did, but praise the Lord, bro. But I'll be waiting here for a decade, right on the curb, for that gal to come busting out of the bushes. But I don't think she's coming, Hoss. That train ain't coming, bro. That train is the train of pride because you need something for yourself. That's right. It's a train of pride. Jump on the humility wagon and meet your Esther. Oh, my gosh. Right? Okay. See, what I'm dropping on you is big. It's messing your mind up. You're going to think about this the rest of your life. Humility equals innovation. You just write, you're going to be at work one day like, I know I'm right. I'm right. I know I'm right. Why don't the other guys know I'm right? You're like, oh, man, I'm killing innovation. Mr. Pride at work. I got to come low. We walk in the office. Guys, I got some ideas, but I want to hear your ideas. Hit me. And I'll share mine at the end, but, but I, I'm just hungry to hear what you guys, what, 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 what's, what's happening. And they begin to share, and, you, and they're like, well, what did you get? And, well, I don't know. I just, I thought of this, and it's, you know, I like what you guys are saying. They're like, all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord just comes in that office. No one knows the Lord. Everyone's like, you, you that's the idea, your idea. And you're like, oh, man, guys, are you sure? And it just explodes, right? It's a different attitude than the attitude of I know everything, I have all the answers. It's the attitude that Jesus, you elevate me, I'll keep being lowly. You elevate, I'll be down here. You elevate, and it's scary when God elevates you, isn't it? And so being elevated by the Lord is a fearful thing. But let's go back to dating. I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this, I see it all day. You know, what happens is, what happens is, is in our mind, we begin to come up with things. And because pride rests in the mind. And that's where it is. And so it's the lofty things of life 
What happens later in life, though, is if we haven't settled the score with what God is at, God says, this is what you need. This is what I've designed for you. And we've not settled that score with that. Then five years later, when you signed up for what you thought you needed, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, frostiness. Oh, my word. It can get frosty. And you're in that moment, and there you are, and you're like back in Safeway, and you see that girl that you met seven years ago that smiled at butterflies and played in the lawn with kids and was smiling at everyone. And some gal drove by, and she yelled, Hello, Esther, I love you. And the girl went, Oh, worshiping the Lord. And you're like, Oh, I've never met a nicer lady. And you're in there because you're down there at 1130 at night, and you were ordered to go down there to get like a can of lima beans for, the, for some crazy dinner that's going to be made three days from now. And you're like, gosh, what happened, man? And but there she is, and you're like, oh, this is my world now, lima beans. <laughs> and it's too late. It's too late. Sometimes in life, it's too late. And you just carry that lima bean in the car home, you know, tear in your eye. It's like, if I... God is a sin. I, I, I dream of those butterflies, but I say, oh, my God. The lima beans for you. I love everything made out of vegetables. I really do. <laughs> I'm going home. I'm going. You know, and, and, and so it's great when you get God's mind because then God will lift you up in due time. And, and so that's what this exercise this weekend is about is let's carry the culture of heaven on earth, the values of the kingdom on earth, and just say, no, pride, you've got no part of my life. Pride, you have no part of my life. I want to love people. I want to love people. I want to love people. Ladies, it can happen too. There, there's female versions of pride. I, I'm not, hey, I, hey, hey, you know, hey. Brave, brave love is what I help Christy, you know, get out the door. So I'm a big women empowerment maniac. But there is occasion, though, where it's rare. It's very rare. It's like, it's like seeing, you know, uh, a unicorn. I mean, it's super rare <laughs> that you see a woman with pride. It's that rare. You're like, I saw a unicorn, man, the first time in 1,100 years. But a flying unicorn. So, so it definitely isn't anyone here. But in the future, when you see the unicorn ladies, you'll know what to tell her. 100%? Praise the Lord, God, for those unicorns in the future that, that do that. But, but in a funny way, though, I hope this is funny. <laughs> but it's, it's funny, though, how it can go both sides. And so a lot of times I'm told that women can't work together. And, 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 no, I'm told that as a man. Like, women can't work together. They don't like working together. There's always, like, disagreements and, and things get. And I'm a, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I never agree with that. I never, I never agree with that. But I know that it can happen where you have these amazing women coming together, work together, and all of a sudden that, that little pride button will just jump in there, and it'll say, like, comparison, jump in. And it's kind of like, when is it going to be my turn to do something? When am I going to get to do something? And then all of a sudden, all that love is starting to drain out of the room. And so what I've seen, when women explode, they just keep peppering each other with the love of Jesus Christ. And it just, 
all that elevation just takes care of itself. It's like angels just come in, just start elevating those ladies all over the city. It's just farther and further than they could ever imagine is the culture of humility. How about women? We could have some really deep friendships like Ruth, Naomi, just those bonded friendships that last for generation after generation after generation, walking. Isn't it fun to see those of us saw Amy and Christy yesterday working together in the tent? Those of us over there, two women, one 52, I think Amy's 36, just working together, just like, they were just like, it was like an awe of each other fest. They were like, oh, you go, girl. It's like, Christy's like, I can't even stand the glory so intense. You go, girl. It was like back and forth, just a love fest of two women giving each other so much love, and all of us were enjoying it. Sugar Rider women, how about the culture of crazy radical love and humility for each other as sisters? As sisters. And I know it's real, but we're, we're cementing together. We're going to walk in radical love coming out of radical humility. How time is it? We got, got to run now. I feel a song coming on, but, but I, don't, I don't know. The song's coming on, I'm telling you. It'll, yeah, it'll, well, don't worry, I won't sing. There's no, be no, be no fear there. It's just forming. It's forming right now. The joy's coming up. It's amazing when, when you become low as a family, all the joy. God's, you start hearing God's voice differently. You love your pastor more. You love your 1999 Honda Accord more. You love the bald tires on it more. You love that someone's took it and returned it with a giant dent in it. You love the fact that no one ever puts gas in it. You love the fact that there's a sandwich in the gas tank and you don't know how it got in there. You love the fact that there is so many hamburger buns in the front seat. Why did they get in there and why are they half eaten? You love in and out wrappers all up by the visor. You love opening the dash to find your insurance card, and there's a Subway sandwich in there. You love it because you just love people, and you're not so agitated. Can I close with that? Let's not be so agitatable and irritatable with people, but really enjoy people for who they are and what they are and just start getting around them with tons of love. Culture of humility is the culture of innovation. Circuit riders, the greatest innovation is Jesus. Let's just present Jesus to a generation with tons of humility and joy in our hearts. I bet it would shock every nation in the world to see Christians walking down the street all smiling in unison. It doesn't take a lot to get the world's attention. What about 40 of us go to a college campus and smile for four hours in a row and tell everyone God loves them? It's just not that hard. Innovation is God's love. So this weekend, Jesus Encounter, you have the book. Uh, Sammy's, Sammy's going to explain more of this tomorrow. They'll, they'll explain how this is all rolling out. But just go to the table of contents. The table of contents in your micro book is, uh, it's got these 10 chapters. Now, there's no way you could do all these 10 chapters in one day, but we're, but we're going to have, we're going to try. So just, just know that you're going to have to, at times, say things like, I'm working on it, or I'm nearly done. So your leader goes, good, okay. So, because, you know, you know what I mean? You got to use that language, like, I'm giving it my guts. But it's hard to write 10 awesome pages in one day. 
unless you're like, you know, Walt Whitman or something coming up in the, in the, in the ranks here. But look at the first one, culture of active love. You see that? So what you do is we're going to have a moment tomorrow where you're going to grab all of these. Uh, right? Is that how we're doing it tomorrow? And you're going to get like a 10-minute moment where they're going to explain it to you. And then you're going to be in groups, and you're going to reflect. Go to the first chapter. Um, culture of love. Okay, so it says there's a meditation. There's 30 minutes on page 15. Your thoughts on what you just read. So you're reading about love on the left side of the page. Okay, and then on the right side, you're writing their culture. And what this is, is we want you to write a cultural constitution for your life. Is these are the values that when they put me six feet under, I'm going to chuck this book up. This is what I lived. I live by love. I live by humility. You get what I'm saying? It's like you're writing out what you want to be known for, not that you can ever be perfected in it, but you're writing these are the things I really value. When you turn to page 16, um, you'll say, what is the culture of a Jesus-modeled, activated love that you want to live out? And that's where you get to write I believe statements. And so we have an example over here. I'm going to read a couple uh, sentences from I believe love is an action. Do you see that on page 17? Let's read together. I believe love is an action. I believe everything I take in around Jesus and his word I'm meant to actually do something with. I believe I'm meant to go and love, to actually meet people and touch their lives through merciful, kind, and generous acts, for laying hands on the sick and the hurting, for speaking words of encouragement and relief to those suffering in fear and rejection, for stopping my busy life to be present with someone in a moment. I believe love looks like going without so others can have. I believe active compassion can interrupt your life on any level because you suddenly become aware of a need greater than your own. Okay, we can stop there. This is kind of an example, but you don't have to write it that way. You can write it even simpler on the page. Write five or ten I believe sentences. I believe that Jesus' modeled love means this, and I want to live this out. So it could be, I love Jesus. You could write that simple. And for the rest of my days, I want to always put other people first. I want to love them. Maybe your second thing is, God, I want to live with crazy forgiveness towards other people all the days of my life. God, I want to live with mercy for everyone I meet all the days of my life. It's getting you to write down the culture that you want to live for in the kingdom. And you do it through reflection. So you're going to be given time alone in this beautiful island to write and reflect and write down basically your innovation. Your life live with humility all the days of your life with the culture of Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. I know some, some of us have not had a time to really get alone. This is going to be a great day tomorrow. You're going to get alone and get time to write, and they're going to show you how they're going to facilitate that in a little bit. Man, what an amazing morning to sign up for humility. I love humility. Humble thyselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Feels good. Okay, I'm going I'm I'm to hit the, you guys want to know this? I know you do. You want this song. I don't know if it's totally in yet. It was coming. But I, 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 I know that when I met my wife, Christy, some of you have heard the story. My buddy, he invited me to this Christian camp deal on Saturday. And it was kind of a church that I didn't really like going to in college. Kind of goofy stuff was going on, ping pong tournaments all day. And I don't know. That, I, just, I was more of an athlete guy. I didn't want to just be in there just dinking around. And then they'd play pool and 
board games and just, I don't know, I just, I just couldn't relate. And every time I went, it just got strange. Have you ever gone to something that just was awkward and standing there and just some kids came up and blew bubbles in my face and just, I don't know, you know, just like, come on, man, we're, we're 20 years old. What are we doing? And, you know, I don't know, just a guy was in the yard, you know, on a slip and slide. He's 22 and just, I, you know, just things like that were happening. And, and I was just stumbling because I just like, uh, I want to be around the cool guys. And God was dealing with my pride. He was saying, hey, you know, come low and start loving these guys. I'm not having all the problems with them that you are. And you're over there getting picky and choosy. Just, just start loving guys. And so I was loving all these guys. And so they invited me to their big day at the beach with a barn dance that night. And so I said, what are we going to do at the beach? You can imagine. They said, we're going to play flag football. And I looked around at everyone. I go, well, there's not really many athletes here. You know, in my mind, in my mind, in my pride. And evaluated all the guys and said, that's not going to be very fun. They said, we're going to play a Frisbee tournament. I was like, uh. And I said, so I went, what are we going to eat? And I go, oh, yeah, we're going to get, like, pizza and water. It's going to be amazing. And I was like, uh. And so, it, it, I don't know, just my pride rose up again. I was like, man, I don't know if I want to go. This guy cold cocks me. And he goes, I thought you said you loved me. I go, well, bro, I do love you. Well, you told me, like, every time you come that you love me. Now I'm asking you to do something with me, and you don't want to come. I don't feel love. I was like, guilty. And I think he said a little bit of anger, but I'm not sure. But I, I drive down to the beach. I go down to the beach. They're playing these games, and it's getting crazy. And I, I did as long as I could, and I have a mental breakdown. I'm just like, man, God, there's so much pride in my life. Why can't I hang out with other people? I'm just this German kid that has a lot of problems. I'm reading the Bible night and day. I can't get over my issues. I want to be known for love. He goes, go climb the sand dune. So I'm up on a sand dune kind of staring off into the ocean, you know, trying to have a moment that's not a moment. Have you guys ever tried to do that? <laughs> you, you finally climb to the beautiful place. You're in the beautiful place, but God wasn't there. You're just there. You're like, okay, here I am. They're just down there. And everyone you could see, the point was, everyone down on the beach was having fun. And I was up there, and I just began to repent. God, I just repent of pride and just being a knucklehead and just, I'm changing my ways. From this day forward, I will never operate this way anymore. I'm this choosy lover. I'm this nitpicker. I'm basically a goofball. Lord, forgive me. I want to love everybody. And, and instantly the presence came down. He said, well, okay. I, I, I heard him distinctly say, what else did you want to pray about? And I waited, and out of my mouth said this, I am ready to meet my wife, and I will serve her all the days of my life, and I make a covenant with you, God, that no matter how radical the serving is, I say yes. And the next thing I said in that moment is, I'm ready to meet her now, and I will keep her pure all the way to our wedding day. And I came down the mountain. Go back. I'm hugging everybody now. Just like, guys, you know I'm prideful. And they go, yeah, it's so good to hear you dealt with that. And they're all stoked, you know. And I'm, I got, you know, like, we've been praying for you, you know. And it worked, man. I feel so good. I love you guys. I love everybody. Then comes the moment. I go to the barn dance. 
the barn dance had some songs on it that I didn't really know. And, and the, I thought, oh, no, the pride's coming back. So I just jumped out on the dance floor and started dancing as crazy as I knew how to do. So I was like, I can't let the pride back. I got to stay goofy, loose. So there's only like six people there, five guys and me. And, uh, we're, we're, but I'm like, no way. I'm just going to go humility all the way. And just there was a Who song on, I don't know, some song from, it was like a rocker song. And I'm just playing electric, you know, guitar on this tennis racket, just trying to have fun and just like, I'm not going back to being a jerk. I'm going to be a love guy. So I did it for an hour, and I didn't see any girls or anything. I don't know where they were at. And so I decided to leave the barn dance because I felt in my heart, like, I think I put a good amount of time in here. I feel great. I go to the counter. There's a woman standing behind the counter I'd never seen before. It was my wife, Christy. And she was taking people's names, and I'd never seen that woman before. I looked in her eyes. I looked at her face. It was like life slowed down. And I was like, there is nothing in my life more than I want than this woman, God. I like, my life passed before me, and then she opened her mouth. She says, you know, I've never met you. Are you new here? And I go, yeah, I'm brand new. I'm Brian Brent. What's your name? She goes, I'm Christy McGee. I go, you want to dance? And all of a sudden, man, a spirit of Elijah boldness came on the man of God. <laughs> and I had what I didn't have before. My mouth began to say things that I was not able to say the previous 20 years of my life. I was a new man right then because God's spirit was on me. Seriously, because of that humility sand dune moment, we went out there and we got out on the dance floor and I said, you know, you look vaguely familiar. I apologize, you know, I feel like I've met you or seen you. She goes, well, you know, the school that your soccer team always played, you mean Lake Oswego High School, the Lakers? Yeah, man, we played you guys all the time. She goes, well, I was the head cheerleader, and I go, that's where I've seen you. You were that angelic figure on the sideline that I always felt was way out of every man's league, and you're dancing with me. And she's like, what? You know, like, enough. And, and I, but I couldn't hold it in. I was just getting too crazy. I said, were you prom queen? I know you were prom queen. She goes, yeah, I was prom queen. I was like, in my mind, like, God, humility, humility is the greatest innovation in life. I love you, Jesus. I'm like, unbelievable. In the moment, I was trying to grow a mustache. It was worse than you're thinking. It was worse. And I realized I have a moment. Oh, my gosh. I'm growing a stash, and she's looking at it. And then she said this line, I'll never forget what God can do, men, when God's on the job. She goes, oh, man, that's a great stash you're trying to grow. I like that. You look cute with that little mustache. I was like, golly, Jesus. Only God. Only God. Only God. Man, I hope you're grabbing that humility close right now. Hold on. Superman, you come Superman out of Clark Kent. So I said, um, Christy, I'd love to, to spend time tomorrow with you. How about we go to church tomorrow and afterward go to lunch? We end up spending like nine or ten hour date just driving around, going to a river, looking at it. I listened to her heart. Man, this woman was on fire, guys, on fire. I took her to her house, and I was getting ready to leave the door. I didn't want to be presumptuous and try to give her a hug. And she stood there, and she goes, she stood there, and I, was like, I think she wants me to give her a hug goodbye. 
And I remember that first hug goodbye. I got back in my car. I broke every speed limit. I was driving like 200 miles an hour on roads that were like 10-mile-an-hour zones. Like, they didn't have asphalt on it. It was like rocks. I was just like, I don't know where I ended up. I just was driving, just singing at the top of my lungs. We'll worship you, God. I love you. I became charismatic that day in Jesus' name. Everything changed. I'm telling you. So, crew, crew, circuit riders, there's a little grumpy bone left in your body. Let's sign up for the culture of humility and get on with the show. Let's, let's. This grumpy bone, it's got to go. It's been so long and I've been alone. All these opinions and lofty thinking has left my Saturday nights empty for oh so long. But as of today, I'm a new man with a humility game plan. And this is my Esther moment. Grumpy bone. All right, well, that's the song for today. Let's stand up, guys. It's game time for fun. <laughs> Let's do it, guys. All that, we're just going to call pride the, the joyful thing. Let's just call it the grumpy, the grumpy bone. Let's throw it out in the field. Let's say it together. Grumpy bone. <laughs> You got no one. I got no time for you. <laughs> but get, get out of my life. <laughs> I choose humility. And you will lift me up. I choose love. I love love. I'm a tender buddy. Andy, this, this song wasn't sung after your sermon about tenderness, right? Tender heart. Did you sing? Tender bear. No longer unaware. I now am called the tender bear. That's it. Men, raise your hand, men. I'm going to bless you with a tender bear anointing. God, we pray for the tender bears in this room. Tenderize it up, Lord, in Jesus' name. Tenderizer, in Jesus' name. Tenderize, Clint Eastwood, take a hike, in Jesus' name. Yes, God, thank you, God, for Solomon being back. Wisdom, thank you, the guys are having fun. And ladies, ladies, it's so fun to be yourself, right? And just be wild in yourself, expressing yourself, saying the crazy, awesome things that women say. So, you know, women, I just think the joy 
for you is back today in a new and fresh way. The joy is back. So let's just pray it out, ladies. The joy is back today. <laughs> yes, it is. It's so awesome, God. We thank you for every woman in this court, every man. We just go into this break with crazy, wild joy and new expectation of all that you're going to be doing in these days together. We thank you for this sand dune moment. We feel so much better. Bless this weekend with so much revelation and so much encouragement. Thank you, Lord, that we have no longer a grumpy bone in our treasure chest of our heart. Our heart is empty and filled with Jesus. Thank you, God. We love you, Lord.